You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Mizzou That's Who. Missouri Tigers are coming off of a huge football victory on Saturday. Basketball still hitting the swing of things. I'm Tucker Franklin, joined by, as always, by Gabe Dierman and Maggie Johnson here to recap a week that was for the Missouri Tigers Athletics Department. And I think we're going to spend most time on uh, football, Gabe, don't you, with the, with the uh, huge win over Tennessee? Yeah, basketball is going to be going for another four and a half months. There's a lot of time. It's... Uh, you know, we'll get there. But yeah, I think everybody is relatively excited to talk about Eli Drinkwood's icing the kicker with 40 seconds left in a 36-7 game, which was objectively the best moment of the Missouri season. Hilarious. It needed to happen. Maggie, how was your weekend? I uh, saw you down in Columbia for both uh, basketball and football. Made a whole weekend out of the whole deal. I did. I mean, what are you going to do? If you if you get Memphis in town and then you get Tennessee in town I mean you're gonna go to both but yeah I was uh, I was stoked to have both I had a blast it's a great game I didn't hate also watching drink ice the kicker because Tennessee scored with 36 seconds left up 35 last year and it it was pretty well deserved if you ask me so I didn't hate seeing it can I just say I'm here for all of it both sides like yeah I legitimately had no these pitches. I had no problem with Josh Heupel scoring last year. Like, great, you're chasing a college football playoff. Cool. Hang Mm -hmm. 66. You don't want 66 on you, be better. Mm -hmm. And I have no problem with Eli Drinkwitz icing the kicker and proclaiming Missouri as the Tennessee State champs on the postgame interview afterwards. I'm I'm here for all of it. We need more fun. We need more trash talk. We need all of that. It's way better than watching Robot. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to dress up like Darth Vader and then show up with a lightsaber, do what you want to do, right? And be ready when it comes back your way too. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's that's was that that was 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 my thing. Is that like, hey, Tennessee's got to just kind of take this one, right? Like, if you're a Tennessee fan, you just got to take this one because you scored 128 points combined in the last two games on this two this team. They blew you out 36 to seven. You just got to sit there and take this one. And, and all the Tennessee fans that I saw on Saturday pretty much did. They just took it and they said, yep, you know what? Maybe Joe Milton isn't Hendon Hooker. The Tennessee defensive line didn't take it quite as well as they knocked yeah. Brady Cook over in the victory formation. Um, and it's kind of a, this is what I hate about realignment. Now we don't get this game next year. And we probably don't get it in two years. And now we don't get, like these players and coaches are starting to kind of hate each other. And just when they hate each other, they don't get to hang out anymore. And, uh, you know, it's too bad. It is certainly too bad because um, big game, as I mentioned, 36-7, not only on the stat sheet, but uh, not not only quantitatively, but qualitatively as well, if you want to throw some terms out there, because I think it does a lot for narratives uh, when it comes to to the Missouri Tigers as well, because I think a lot of people starting to turn their heads. They're starting to look at a... at Missouri as a as a pretty good team this year, as if they haven't already been looking that way already. But um, Gabe, I want to get your first reactions. Uh, we 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 both thought we all thought that this was going to be kind of a coin toss game. 
I don't know if this, like a Missouri blowout win was near the top of my predicted things that would happen in this game. I'm not surprised Missouri won. I picked Missouri to win. I think we all picked Missouri to win last week. I think so. I am a little surprised they won the way they did. Um, And, you know, I think I said last week, the difference between Tennessee and Georgia was if you shut down Georgia's running game, they had another way. They, They could still beat you. And I didn't think Tennessee could, and that proved to be right. Tennessee came in with averaging 253 a game. They ran for 83 yards, and really a lot of that was kind of after this game was already over. I mean, Tennessee could not move the ball. Tennessee basically had one good offensive play on Saturday, if you're being real. And it was a great offensive play. But even when it was 7-3 Tennessee, you just go, well, but Missouri's going up and down the field. They just made a mistake. And Tennessee had one play. And Missouri was start to finish the better team. I I said on our site yesterday, look, look, there are other games that are in the discussion. I'm not saying it is the best big game performance in modern Mizzou history, but it's in the class picture. It's up there with some of the other ones. I mean, wire to wire, I'm not sure I've seen Missouri play a better game against a real opponent in, you know, the last, whatever, 30 years that I've been paying attention. The kind of the kind of crazy thing to me is that, like you said, they really they they run the ball. Like we know that that's their bread and butter is that they run the ball. In the games that they've lost, they've actually passed the ball pretty well. I think they had um, against Alabama they they passed for two hundred seventy one yards. I think against uh, Florida they passed for. I don't know, 287, something like that. They just haven't ran at all in those games. So their offensive numbers have been pretty low. The crazy thing is all the other stats, they just get got their butts whooped. They didn't have, they had the ball for 20 minutes. Yeah. Tennessee had the ball for 20 minutes in this game. You're not going to win the ball or you're not going to win the game having the ball for 20 minutes. You're just not. It was the prototypical Josh Heupel critics game, right? Oh yeah, you cool. You can put up 56 against bad teams, but when you play a, a good team, this offense struggles. And I'm not sure that's entirely fair. Um, but it, it did look when he was the OC here, Missouri beat a lot of really bad teams and never really beat a very good one. And now Tennessee beat some good teams last year. They don't have quite the talent they did. Joe Milton was... The difference in some of those other Tennessee games on Saturday was Joe Milton was Joe Milton. He was exactly what you think he's going to be, which is, yeah, he's, he's he'll move you along a little bit. But if you make him do it eight yards at a time, eventually he's just going to throw a pass four yards behind somebody or rifle it 600 miles an hour and vaporize his receiver. It, he just, I, he's not a consistent quarterback. And, you know, but I, I mean, I don't want to put that game Completely on Joe Milton. Oh, no. Missouri was Missouri was better at every single thing involved in football on Saturday. I mean, I, there's not one thing. If Tennessee had brought its band, Missouri's band would have been better than Tennessee's. <laughs> well, speaking of, that is maybe one of the weirdest things that I... It was probably not until the third quarter that I actually looked over at the the people sitting next to me, which I love the people that sit next to me in my games and my season tickets. They're, they're great. Shout out to them because uh, I know they listen to the podcast. But... They um they didn't bring cheerleaders. They didn't bring a band. And that is so outside of SEC norm. And I didn't notice it until like the third quarter. But that 
every even South Carolina, who is having quite a terrible year, they at least brought part of a band. They at least brought cheerleaders. But I thought that that was kind of weird, and I didn't know if anybody else noticed that. But I didn't. I I didn't notice it. I will tell you though, um, I've never seen a bigger group of people with musical instruments than in Athens, Georgia. They have uh, unofficially 1173 people in their band and they were all walking past me on the sidelines. It was like, it, it was like a two way street had been reduced to one way and you just had to sit there with the guy that held the sign that said stop for like 19 minutes while I walked by you. That's so funny. No, I didn't, I didn't notice that. Uh, I, I don't know that, but, uh, no, it was one of those things, Gabe. You mentioned they had the one good play, which, to be fair, Very good play. incredible, incredible catch, incredible throw. Uh, but after that, I was just like, well, okay, that's fine. Like that, that's okay uh, because Missouri. I think I saw the stats through Missouri uh, stats and information. They said that Cody Schrader's seven-yard touchdown run was Missouri's thirtieth play of the game, and at that point, Missouri had run thirty plays. Tennessee had not yet run ten. So Missouri was dominating the possession of the football, but Missouri's defense also on top of it. That one score they had was a was a quick score, but then they only allowed 83 rushing yards on the day. And there's a team that we talked about going into the game at Tennessee likes to run the football, and as, and as a defense too, we can talk about Cody Schrader. We could probably wax poetically for about Cody Schrader for the next 45 minutes, truthfully, because that story is incredible. And that's what it, what it basically did on the post game show. Uh, but what what Going into that game, we knew Tennessee wanted to run the football and that Tennessee likes to stop the run. They're a good run-stopping team. I think 97.3 yards per game is what they allowed. Now, now more. They've allowed more. Just a few more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little more. 255 rushing yards for Missouri. I believe that's the most that Tennessee allowed since they played Georgia in, their running, in 2021, and their running back was James Cook. Uh, that guy played Monday night, by the way, uh, for the Bills. So pretty good running back but uh i just want to cody schrader i mean come on like that story just keeps getting better it was already cool you know when he played in in st louis in the dome in front of his family after being on uh, being a d2 then a walk-on now he keeps doing things that haven't been done in the sec the story just keeps getting cooler hey it is i mean it was wild he had more receiving yards in the first quarter of that game than he had all season yeah he had 75 receiving yards coming in he had two catches for 83 yards in the first quarter. And it was just like every drive would start with Cody Schrader runs up the middle for 28 yards. You know, I mean, it was, and, and I think, um, you know, obviously Missouri's line has to get a lot of credit. Yeah. Um, they were, were nominated today for the Joe Moore award, which is given to the best offensive line in college football. I don't think we probably would have predicted that at the beginning of the year. You know, um, so it just all worked. I, Brady Cook's legs were an underrated part of that game. Yes. You know, especially there was there was one point where Tennessee had pinned him down on the one. And it was like third and eight, and Brady ran for 25 yards. I thought that was huge. I, I thought the biggest play of the game, um, it was 10-7 Missouri. And Missouri got a stop with like, there was like 20 seconds left in the in the, in the the half. And they handed the ball off to Schrader, and they clearly were just going to go, yeah, I mean, we'll see what we can get, but we're good going in 10-7. Yeah. Then he rips off a 30-yard run to midfield, and they're like, oh, I guess we should 
probably try to score now. And <laughs> Nevis makes the field goal in 13-3 just feels so, or 13-7 felt so different than 10-7. Yeah. I, I thought that run by Schrader was probably the biggest play of the game. I, I thought that was the one that just kind of signaled to both sides. Like, Tennessee, it's, you're really not going to stop this today. It's just, it's just not going to work out. I wrote that down as my as my favorite play of the game, actually, and it was actually a thirty five yard run. But I look over, I, I look over at the guy sitting next to me, and I'm like, "What are we gonna do here?" And he goes, "You know, we're not gonna do anything. Drink's gonna take this end of the half. We're gonna, you know, he's gonna be happy that we stopped him. We're gonna take it in. We're gonna let Tennessee have the ball. Tennessee has the ball. You know, they get the ball first in the second half because we had the ball first. Um, and he's just gonna be conservative because that's what Drink does. And then." Cody gets that 35-yard run, and all of a sudden we're like, okay, well, now we just need, I don't know, 10, 15 yards, and we can kick a field goal. And what's Cody do? He does it again. And then we get that, and then, you know, uh, Mevis is basically automatic from that distance. And, yeah, I felt the same way. You know, you go into halftime, and it's only, you know, 13-7, and I'm nervous at that point, but they didn't score. We score what 20, they, 20, they didn't, 20 they didn't score ever years. again, never yeah. again. Yeah. No. Yeah. And they still haven't scored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was, yeah, it was just, it was great after that. It was, it was just a great, the stadium wasn't amazing. Yeah. It was electric. It really was. What I thought was really impressive there on that drive too, is I think the play just before halftime, Cody goes down with like four seconds yeah. left. Like he dives head first. She go. Yeah. yeah, he he dove to get extra yardage, right? If he slides, uh, like, you know, for Eli to call the timeout to get the field goal unit out there, uh, he could have gotten more yards. Like, if if he's just, like, straight up, like, trying to just get a run and there's, you know, time left on the clock, he could have got more yards. But him having the awareness to dive, like, that's... That's a, uh, that's a, that's a savvy vet move right there to to get the field goal unit on on the field, but no, very impressive day from Cody Strader. You put him in the, in the likes of some of the great performances of, of all time when it comes to, uh, uh, Missouri, Missouri athletics. Um, I mean, I mean, there are two guys on Saturday who did things that have legitimately never been done in the Southeastern conference. Cody Strader and Jalen Daniels, both had days that nobody has ever had, you know? Um, and I mean, it's like if you wrote this story as a movie, everybody would say, well, that's stupid because that would never happen. And that's way too sappy and dumb. Like, right. you know, it's it's like watching, you know, like the rookie with Dennis Quaid, right? You're like, mm-hmm. well, this is just, come on, man, this could never happen. But it it actually, it, like you can't make these things up. And of course they happened on the same day so that, yeah, Cody can't even get his recognition in that derby. Oh, the, yeah, but he is—I I mean, he's like he has been all over the national media. This oh, year. but now he's a finalist for the Burlesworth Trophy. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz's Twitter timeline has just been like a Cody Schrader commercial to the point where I'm wondering if any of the other guys walk into his office and go, "Yo, Coach, could you like retweet something about me? I did, I did good on Saturday." To be fair, he did retweet the Joe Moore Award. <laughs> <laughs> he did retweet that, which uh, is impressive. I do want to talk more about the Missouri offensive line because I do think that that is a huge point. Um, but I've got to tell you about our folks, at our, our friends at Homefield Apparel. Uh, I'm rocking the Script Tigers shirt, rocking the uh, the Mighty Mizzou shirt down there. It's a good looking design there from homefieldapparel.com. They got all kinds of them. 
uh, there if you want to go check them out. Use code KCSN23 at checkout for uh, 50% off your first order if you haven't ordered from homefieldapparel.com. They got hoodies. They got good stuff coming up for uh, the cold weather items. They got great fleece. Uh, they've got pullovers. Go check them out. If you want more than Mizzou, they've got, you know, Idaho. They've got uh, Washington Huskies if you're a Huskies fan. Or uh, I think they have University of Albany. Just pulled that one out. They've got them. 150 plus different schools at homefieldapparel.com. Use code KCSN23 at checkout for 15% off your order. We'll be back with more on the Zoo That's Who podcast. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One of the big things coming into this season, for me, I'll speak for myself because that's the person I could speak for, was going to be how how successful Missouri was going to be was going to be predicated on how good the offensive line was going to be this year um, is kind of how I went into it. Missouri did a lot on the offensive line from in terms of the transfer portal. They got a new uh, head, head coach there, a new offensive line coach who is the head of the offensive line. Uh, they got a new offensive line coach. They brought in some transfers, and they've had a lot of guys step up. Connor Tolleson, a big part of the reason that they are playing as well as they are. This looks like a night and day. looks like a completely different player than he was last year. Um, there's just been a lot of good things on that offensive line, Gabe, and, and to be nominated for the Joe Moore Award, which is – a very prestigious award for the best offensive line unit in the country. I think Michigan's won it the last two years. Uh, Creed Humphrey, Chiefs fans, he was I think he was on the offensive line that won it for Oklahoma. So th- there's been some good players on that offensive line who are playing in the NFL who have won that award. Um, I, I, I'm just, I've been shocked 
by the just how much this offensive line has improved this season. And and I mean, I'll be honest, three games in, I was done with the Cameron Johnson thing. I thought, well, this just ain't gonna work. He's not good enough. There's penalties every game. Uh, they and they played Marcellus Johnson over him, and then Marcellus got hurt, and Cameron came back in at right guard, and and Mimbo was a tackle, and all of a sudden it just it's gotten a little bit better every week, and you know. Saturday was there, and I can't remember. Uh, I think it was Danielson on the Gary Danielson on the telecast was saying this game is an offensive lineman's dream. Like they're just lining up and running the ball straight ahead, and you're just you're just plowing into the guy in front of you and moving him as far back as you can. I mean, Javon Foster is going to play in the NFL. He'll be a first team All SEC guy. Yep. Um, the guy that I think is is probably the unsung hero of this thing is Xavier Delgado, the left guard, who like. Missouri fans had decided that this kid sucked after last year. And I don't really know why it was him. I mean, I he wasn't great last year, but I didn't think he was anywhere near the biggest problem. And Missouri fans were trying to replace him all offseason. And there was some, some guys who are somewhat connected on our message board that were saying, look, Foster and Delgado really like playing next to each other. They really are comfortable. They want to keep that left side together. So any experimenting, anything else they do is going to be on the right side. And, Delgado's not, he's not going to be a first team all SEC guy or anything, I wouldn't think, but he's had a really good year. Yeah. I think Cameron, what, Cameron maybe had just had one, did he one penalty, I think, maybe last week. But I, our oh, offensive line really wasn't penalized. I think we maybe only had one, maybe two. Impressive effort, by the way, to run that ball and never hold the whole game. Yeah, if we run that whole game and maybe only have two penalties, I'm lucky we're crazy and never get caught holding. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I think we had we had seven penalties for fifty yards. Uh, Compared to what we had last year, I will take that. Uh, I'm happy with that. I've just been so impressed too. I, I think I feel. I feel bad when I talk about like Cody Schrader, but then to bring up the offensive line after it, right? Because I do like there. It's a very symbiotic relationship, right? Like Cody Schrader could still be, you know, pretty good, but he's got to have a pretty good offensive line in front of him for him to be as good as he is right now. And that's kind of like a, a that's kind of a uh, what it was burden a hand to in the bush, something like that. The what metaphor am I looking for there? Yeah, I'm not sure that's the right one, but it sounds good. Um, but but it, it's all so connected, and it's why it's so dumb that, you know, like, well, this quarterback sucks because his record is 6-7. and seven. No, the team's record is 6-7. and seven. Like, you know part of the reason Cody's running so well? Because teams have gotten scared of Luther Burton and Theo Weiss and what Brady yeah. can do through the air. So now, next week, if Florida comes in going, we got to stop Cody Schrader, bombs away. You know, like... There are no holes on this team. And I don't think they're the best team in the country. I don't think there's one thing I pick out about this team that I would say, like, they're the best at this in the SEC. Mm. But there just isn't anything they're bad at. You know, there aren't any glaring holes. Like, even their their weaknesses are still, you know, in, in the words of Michael Scott, see, my weaknesses are my strength. That, that's what I was doing, you know. <laughs> but, like... It, I, I just don't see any big holes on this team. And so it, it all kind of works together and they have different ways to beat you. I did a guest spot on a, on a Tennessee podcast last week and then I listened to their follow-up. That's an, that's an adventure right there, by the 
Yeah, they were they were actually they were actually pretty nice. But I listened to the follow up podcast, which they decided to start about five, with five minutes left of the game because they were just over. You know, they were over the game. Um, so I decided yeah. to listen to the game or to the podcast yesterday, and it was interesting because they basically said that if Cody Schrader were to have gotten like hurt, maybe in the game or something, that Tennessee would have won that game which I thought was a very interesting comment because I was like, because they basically said that would have happened because um, Theo Weiss and Luther Burton didn't do anything in that game. And I'm like, that's because Cody, what Cody Schrader was doing was working. And I think as Mizzou fans, that's kind of what we wish we would have stuck to in the Georgia game, like because the run game was working. So we kind of wish that we would have just kept giving the ball to Schrader. It, you know, because maybe if we wouldn't have went away from that, that, yeah. you know, possibly could have changed the outcome of that game. But it, it, Cody, Cody didn't play defense. Tennessee couldn't score on our defense. I don't think that that would have changed the outcome of Tennessee not being able to to score. Mm-hmm. You know what would have changed the outcome of that game? If Missouri's bus driver got lost on the way to Field <laughs> and like took them to the wrong place. That's the only way Tennessee was winning on that. Yeah. I was just I was just looking at the uh, at the player stats, just some of the individual numbers there. Uh, how come the offensive line forgets how to block when Nate Pete's in the game? See, that's funny that you say that because I thought the same thing. Uh, I I said it at Georgia. Like Nate came in for a couple carries, and I'm like, if I didn't know any better, I would think that the offensive line got together and said, Nate Pete's back there. We're not gonna block. So, <laughs> Cody, did, like running backs don't get enough. Cody obviously does something pretty well. Correct. Like, I I can't believe that the offensive line just forgets how to block when he leaves. Two carries minus four yards for uh for for Nate Pete on the day. Um and and you mentioned like the the receiving aspect of it like wasn't there. Cody had 116 receiving yards on five catches. Uh, that first catch catch that he had, if he didn't step out of bounds, he probably would have scored mm-hmm. on and had like probably 35 more yards on. Uh, 35 fewer rushing yards because he probably just ran the rest of the way anyway. That's fair. That is that is probably fair. Uh, Marquise Johnson caught a, a big deep ball, as he seemingly does every week now. Uh, he just, like, uh, throw it on up there. You guys ever seen anybody more wide open than he was on that play? Like, that was a terrible pass. It was well, nowhere he, close to he it. Bailed, it didn't matter. so short. Oh, my gosh. He bailed him out so good, so hard. And there was not a Tennessee guy within 20 yards. And Cody was wide open on that play too. I didn't. They were both wide open, and I thought that I thought that um, that Brady overthrew Cody at first. I was like, no, and then I looked down and I was like, oh, Marquise is wide open. Too. Make a diving catch for a wide open play, though. Let's let's be honest. He threw that ball, and I was like, golly, I was like, he underthrew the absolute crap out of him. Um, but I was I was gonna be upset. But anyway, Marquise bails him out there. Um, Luther has four catches, but one of the catch that he does end up taking for a touchdown is that little pop pass that they do. Everyone runs it. Um, oh wait, no, that wasn't that one. They ran the they ran the little like leak play that they run. It's like an RPO where they run it, but then they he pulls it and he gives up. That was the touchdown pass there. But a lot of those he did run a lot of the, the pop stuff um, there for them. But they they, do run. they will never say it, but I think Luther was out there just so Tennessee had to cut or lose. Certain, I mean, he had he had three catches for five yards before that play. Like he clearly decoy. wasn't healthy. He's been a decoy in back to back games now. 
He was a decoy in the second half of the Georgia game. He was a decoy in the Tennessee game. And you have to give him the ball in a couple of times. It worked. It works. You have to give him you have to give him the ball a couple of times so that they don't think that he's a decoy. If you don't give him the ball, they're gonna figure it out. So you have to give him the ball a couple of times. And I mean, he's gonna limp around, but you're not gonna keep Luther out of those games. You're not. I, I don't know. I love the screenshot of Luther doing this across his chest. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that going gold around Twitter. Uh, that's a, that's a pretty sick one. Uh, I, guess I, I do think it's I do think it's telling. Uh, and look, I I have learned so long ago, like not to make these grandiose statements about these kids because there have been kids I've really liked that I've covered that I'm like, oh, that's a, not a great story on the police blotter. So I'm just going to leave that. Uh, but but my point is we don't really know. But like I think a lot of people probably outside look at Luther and think, you know, prima donna, get a lot of NIL money, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think he legitimately likes his teammates and likes being there. Now, that, uh, I'm sure there are a lot of kids across the country that are like that. I'm not saying there aren't, but just seeing the, the videos of him celebrating and like, he had four yeah. catches for 26 yards. There are a lot of number one wide receivers who are probably, like, they're kind of happy, but not super happy after that game. He looked as happy as any of the rest of them. And and I do think that's a big deal that speaks a little bit to his character in this team. I think it's a great point. Um, looking at it, too. And defense played really well. It helps when Joe Milton throws a ball right to you. Listen, that ball was red. He read that ball. He, he was baited. Is Like, he Dalen Cardell almost yeah. did that earlier in the game. He made a great play, and he took it to the house, and that was like that was the nail in the coffin, as if there needed to be another nail in the coffin, right? At that point, but like at that point, it was just like we we're so much better than you, and we know it, type of deal. Um, and then the missed field goal was just a cherry on top of his little, whole weak little, weak little ball, just trickling, trickling, doesn't quite get there. It was, it was all just like perfect, and how they ended the game. I love that the only time icing the kicker has ever worked was like in a ridiculous place to even do it. They're honestly lucky though that the score was only 30, 36 to seven because we again we didn't score in the red zone a couple of times, which has been an issue for us because we kicked three field goals. But I do think though that like Missouri, it, like in terms of just like scoring in the red zone, not counting like touchdowns and field goals, Missouri's like scored on like thirty eight last, like at the um, thirty eight number one in the country, and they're number one in the country in terms of getting points in the red zone. Which I think we're now probably thirty nine of forty. I think we were thirty seven, like thirty seven of thirty eight. So I think we're probably like thirty nine of forty or whatever. What whatever yeah, on that great amount. It's pretty impressive. At, yeah. at least one of them on Saturday, like Drakewitz was clearly playing for a field goal. Like they were up nineteen seven and a third and goal on the eleven, and it was just, just yeah. we're just gonna have Brady run it, and we're just gonna make sure we don't turn it. Yeah, yeah. That Brady pitch, by the way, was that fake. That fake pitch was a that was a nice. That was similar. They used a variation of that play earlier this year. I, I want to say it was the K State game, but I can't. Remember. It was the K State game. It absolutely was the K State game. Yeah, you could on it a little bit at, with at the beginning of the podcast, but Brady's legs were huge in this game there was like i think there was three like third downs and you talked about the one that like when they were backed up all the way on the one and he just was like you know what i'm just gonna do this one myself um but he he's been big all year and and that was really something that we had pointed out like hey when brady's really going he's running the ball really well like that's what that's what 
kind of Brady makes helps his decision making and everything like that. But any final thoughts on the Tennessee game before we move on to uh, looking ahead to Florida? Did we miss anything? I think that's a no. Red Northfleet had a catch, two catches actually. Cool. Impressed with Mackay Miller too. I will say he had a couple big catches. Yeah. Um, Darius yeah. Robinson, six straight game with the sack. So. That's yeah. Linebackers, I think, had good, had really good games. With, without Tyron Hopper, by the way. Yeah. Tristan Newsom had a good game. Chuck Hicks had a good game. Yeah. Lots of good games all around, I will say. Oh, Tennessee had the most unopportune turnovers. Like, their turnovers came at the most inopportune times for them. Like, they were driving that first one, and it was just like a clean oh. fumble, put the helmet on the ball, fumble. And then the second one where Joe Milton pulled the RPO, but then it hit the running back's arm and then he pushed it forward that was one of the things i was like when i was sitting down in the stadium i was like well that's not a fumble and then i saw the replay come up and i was like holy cow that's a fumble <laughs> like that was one of the things that i was like it cannot get any worse for this team right now yeah well after the last couple games between those teams like it was just a complete it had to be right like it had to at one point go missouri's way if you think of just in the fortunes of i guess and in the way that karma works, or hopefully that you hope that it works, um, that it would have to fall in Missouri's, all Missouri's favor. But uh, we're going to talk about Florida, but first I got to tell you about our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. And can you believe we're already this deep into the NFL season? We got to make every second count. And with DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every game day. Bet on your favorite teams for a shot at winning big bucks. New customers could bet 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting five on any matchup. Right now, if you're looking to get in on some Monday Night Football action, Chiefs, what are your point favorites hosting the Philadelphia Eagles on uh, Monday Night Football? Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code KCSN. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just five bucks on the NFL. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at Sportsbook.DraftKings.com football terms. All right, let's get into it. Missouri wraps up their home schedule this uh, week with Florida in town. Under the lights, 6.30 kickoff on ESPN. Gabe, first thoughts on this matchup um, this game is about Missouri. Florida's not all that good. They are good enough to beat you if you are off or you don't take them seriously. Um, I think the most impressive thing about this Missouri team is that they have not had a day where they haven't shown up. Um, you know, I understand Middle Tennessee wasn't the greatest, but they won that game. Like every game has either been a win or a, hey, you got beat. But nobody's going to say you didn't show up. I mean, you were in every game with five minutes to go. Um, it's really tough. And I'm not going to say they've played an A game every week. I don't think they have. But I, I think it's really tough 12 times in a row to show up, you know, and, and to 
to put a representative effort out there. Missouri's done it 10 times. If they do it two more, they're going to be 10 and two. Yep. Um, we'll see. I think, uh, you know, I, I admit to being, um, this is the one thing about college sports that I'm like a sap about senior day is I just think it's cool. Hmm. Um, you know, like the last, it's a little bit weird. Cause like some guys have like three senior days at two different schools now. Right. Cause of the whole COVID thing. But yeah, uh, but it's always cool when they announce the kids and they go out and hug their parents and haven't been through it as a parent with, you know, kids in high school and stuff. Like it's a big deal when it's your last one. And uh, this class of seniors that includes guys like Darius Robinson and Javon Foster. I mean, you think about when they came here and what Missouri was and what they're leaving. Uh, that That's something that, you know, they deserve to end it with a win. And they deserve to end it with the sold out crowd because there aren't many groups who have been through it. There will be more senior classes who have won more games, who have had better careers. There won't be many who have taken it from what it was when they got here to what it is now. Um, and, you know, Eli brought up a good point when we talked to him earlier today. Like some of these kids, the first season they played at Missouri was it was 11,000 people in the stands because that's all that was allowed. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been through a coaching change and COVID and They've been through some things, and to get this season is pretty cool for those kids. And it's kind of like what we ask of them, like whenever. I mean, I don't, I don't tweet at recruits, but the the people that do tweet at recruits, you know, it's what they it's what they tell people. They're like, come and be the change at Mizzou. Come and be the the one that turns the program around. Don't just be another name. So it's like if you're going to be that person that's tweeting at recruits and asking them to be that person, like. Come be at Pharrell on Saturday and be there and support those people that were that change and are turning it around. Because if you're going to ask them to be that person that you have to be in that stadium and fill it up and thank them for what they did, because they've given us a season that not most people didn't expect them to give us. I always remember uh, talking to Kim English after he committed to Missouri, which yes, shows my age. It's been a minute, but, um, you know, he said, I didn't, and, and like, look, take this with a grain of salt because it's not like he had a Duke offer out of high school. But he said, you know, you can go somewhere that it's already there, that it's already built and be a part of it, or you can go somewhere and, and be a part of building, you know, and, and I do think those things are looked at, um, and not differently. Like, a, hey, you go win two national, three national titles at Georgia, ain't nobody going to not remember you fondly, right? right. But, um, but I, I, I just think there's something to be said for the kids who not only came here when there wasn't much to sell except hope, but also stayed when a dude they didn't know came in and took it over, you know? Yeah. That's, that's big. Um, especially with COVID and everything like that, they had ample opportunities to leave. Uh, Gabe, you mentioned the coaching change as well. Like a lot of kids leave after our coaching change. Like that's just how that's just how it is. Um, sticking around, going through it. Um, Darius Robertson's having a hell of a year this year. Um, Javon Foster having a hell of a year this year. I mean, th- those guys have been out of Chris Abrams strain. I mean, yes. Harrison Nevis is one of the what well, he's like yep. the leading scorer in all time. Yeah, in all time. Yeah, yeah. Three forty-two, I think, is what he's up to now. Um, he, he was in the three sixties when he broke it. So. Oh, yeah. three, he's 62. Or 70-something. No, maybe, maybe 72. I got that number written down somewhere on one of these it, sheets of paper around here. But uh, There's a three and a two. 
Yeah, there's a two in there somewhere. I'm sure of it. I am sure that there's Neither. a two in there. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it is it is really cool to see. I mean, Chris Draven, uh, a guy that I have been kind of pounding his draft stock, draft stock drum for uh, a while, probably since the beginning of the season. I've been in the year of Matt Miller's and hey, you gotta check this guy out. You should really, you should really look at this guy, Matt Miller. So we got something really nice about Ennis Rakestraw, saying that he's getting some first round buzz as well. So uh, wow. wild ends is indeed because you know I think Chris Jim has been incredible this year. He did give up that one touchdown against the the Tennessee play, which we already hit on was a wild, an incredible catch. But like he will keep throwing at him, and he will just is really good against a, a lot of people. So that's as basic as I could put it i guess is what it comes down to but yeah you're right a lot of seniors play in uh an incredibly high level for this team the leaving it leaving the program in a really great spot with a new class coming in that's going to be a, a really uh great class for uh, for missouri as well uh, they they're going to play take on florida who i was oh, when the season started i was like okay i'm not so sold on this team i know graham mertz is their quarterback local kansas city kid he hasn't played very well uh he didn't play very well in 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 wisconsin either I, I disagree. I think he's actually been pretty good, what they've asked him to do this year. Florida can't stop anybody. They've given up like 43 points a game their last That's five. Uh, Merckx has been better than I expected. Now, I don't know that he's a guy that goes and wins games by himself. Well, obviously. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, I just, Florida's kind of the opposite of Missouri. I look at them and go, I don't really know what I'd say they do well. Yeah. You know, they got some guys, but and they had one day against Tennessee, so that should at least give Eli Drinkwitz something to tell his team, like, they, hey, they can do this. Mm-hmm. Like, the the team you just annihilated, they also annihilated that team, so they're capable. Yeah, they're a confusing team, too, because they lost an overtime to Arkansas, who I've declared on this podcast to be a bad football team. Um, yes. So that just uh, that that shows you what I think about football. Arkansas can't even win the race to fire its coach. That's how tough the year in Fayetteville was going. <laughs> Well, say like Ricky Pearsall's up. He's a pretty good. He is. He's pretty good. I'd be fine if he like the guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he had, last week he had seven catches for 103 yards. He had that catch earlier in the season that, I mean, one of the best catches I've maybe seen in a long time. That I don't know if you guys yeah. all that one-handed, that yeah. one-handed catch. I mean, he's he's young. Good. He's probably young. Etn is good. I don't remember his first name, but. Travis? I think it's Travis. I think that's right. He's a real yeah. He, guy. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. I think he had a touchdown. I think he had a touchdown this week. Oh no, he had three. Just get Trevor. His name's Trevor. By the way. Oh wait, Travis is the one that's in the NFL, right? They sound like three touchdowns. <laughs> just call him whatever you want. Uh, Travis and Trevor. That's, essentially- that's why I just called him Little Etienne. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. This game was crazy. This game had um, the LSU Florida game had uh, almost twelve hundred yards of total offense. I mean, seven hundred of it was LSU. It was Jaden Daniels? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, almost on his own. Also, also, we can't judge people by what they do against LSU offensively because LSU's defense is so bad it is plus the best player in college football to end up. Yeah, it is wild. What LSU like? I don't know how how to feel about LSU truthfully because Jaden Daniels should win the Heisman, um, just be based oh, yeah. on just like his pure 100%. his pure performance. Um, but like you mentioned, it, they're nine and three, and it's just like, but I don't mean to get too far 
in the weeds because I know okay. we still have to talk about playoff rankings and basketball, and I know nobody wants to listen to us talk for four hours, but I've seen a lot of things this week. Does Jaden Daniels still have a chance to win the Heisman? Does he have a chance? Like, who else should win it? Right. Like, he is, he's like, he's the third leading rusher in the SEC. Like, what are we He's the best doing? individual player. He's the best no individual player. There's no question. I mean, if, it, it, like, look, this isn't even disrespectful to Brady Cook. If Jaden Daniels had ended up here, this Missouri team is in the college football playoff. Oh, yeah. Like, that's how good he's been. He yeah. just has no defense. None at all. And it's, I think Bo Nix is actually the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman right now, which is wild. And I don't understand. I don't understand why people are so high on Oregon. I don't get it. I don't understand well, Oregon, why people... No, Oregon's really good. But, like, what? But they want to I don't... The Heisman is stupid. I vote for the Heisman, and it's stupid. They should take, they should, they're seriously, there's like 950 voters and like 700 of them they should go to and say, you aren't allowed to vote. You, you've been too stupid with your vote. But didn't Lamar Jackson win it and didn't yep. Louisville, how many losses did Louisville have that Yeah, they had three. Oh, yeah. Z3 had three losses. Tebow had three or four losses. Like, mm-hmm. yes, Jaden Daniels should 100%. And I think Jaden Daniels is better than those players were on their team. He's been pretty good. He's in the conversation. Yeah, he's 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 been. It's been a very great season for him because last year I don't off the top of my head I can't remember. I don't think it was that great of a year for him. Um, he was good, but but he wasn't. He right. He wasn't like to what he is to this year, obviously. Uh, but I but let's talk about the college football playoff rankings because you do bring them up. Missouri's in an interesting spot here because there is still one one loss team, or, or I guess not. I shouldn't say one one loss team, but there's. One one-loss team that's like on the fringe, uh, it's Louisville is what I'm talking about here, where maybe you could justify putting Missouri ahead of Louisville uh, on that 9 or 10 slot, but uh, Missouri going into this last week, they were 14 in the college football playoff rankings. They beat number 13. How far do you think that moves them up? Well, so first of all, I think Missouri is better than Louisville. I don't think there's much doubt. But if you look at the rankings last week, 1 through 5 had no losses. 6 through 11 had one loss. 12 through 18 had two losses. 19, 20, 21 had three losses. The only teams that were not like it just in direct order of how many games they had lost were Iowa, who is only half a team, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> um, Tulane, which plays in the group of five, and then North Carolina was 24th with two losses, below some three loss teams. But it, they put a premium on how many games you've lost. So Missouri is obviously going to jump Tennessee. Um, that means they're at least 13. Oregon State is ahead of them last week. They were 12. They went out and beat the crap out of Stanford. So, like, Oregon State may stay above them, but it doesn't really matter if Oregon State stays above them because Oregon State has Oregon and Washington the last two weeks. So either they are going to prove, yes, we belong above you, or they're going to lose and drop a load. So it doesn't really matter where Oregon... The entire bowl fate for Missouri comes down to where are Missouri, Penn State, and Ole Miss ranked this week. Mm. Two of those three teams, barring chaos and weird stuff in conference championship games, but there's a, there's a way Kansas State could really screw Missouri, by the way. Um, but barring chaos, two of those three teams probably make one of the New Year's Six games. 
But none of them have any games they should lose. Like Florida, uh, I mean, Ole Miss and Penn State, neither of them play anybody any good. They, right. they play two. Like the toughest game out of those two teams is like Ole Miss playing Mississippi State. So they're probably going to win. And Missouri doesn't have a game where if they're ranked below those teams tonight, winning it will impress enough people to jump over them. So I think it's pretty important that you're ahead of at least one and maybe both of those teams tonight. What role do you think... So obviously, record plays a massive role. We've seen that as they've done the rankings. In the first rankings, it was obvious because it was like undefeated teams, one-loss teams, two-loss teams. I mean, it was... You saw all of these like LSU fans mad that there was the ranking, but it was very obvious what they were doing. So what role do you think once like full selection comes around? Because that's the most important part that we're all thinking about in terms of like New Year's Six Bowls, because that's what we're fighting for right now. What role do you think like records play versus like travel and the, the travel space and things like that? The travel stuff shouldn't matter because the committee is ranking these teams based on their seasons. Now, look, we don't know what's more important. Like, I test right now, I think Missouri's a better team than Ole Miss. But if you look at whole season resume, they both have two losses. They both have two really good losses. And Ole Miss beat one of the teams that Missouri lost to. So if you look at the entire 10 weeks, it's not hard to make an argument. Ole Miss probably should be a spot above Missouri, right? But we don't know what these people value um, and and what order they'll rank them in. But the point is, they're going. the college football playoff committee is going to rank these teams. And the only one that really matters is it two or three weeks, whatever. Right. But then the New Year's Six Bowls, it's not about, well, yeah, this team's eight, but, but man, 17 will bring a lot of faith. They can't do that. They have to take, they have to go by the college football playoff rank. So now being in the top 12 is not a guarantee because like Louisville can fall all the way to 25. And if Florida State makes the playoffs, Louisville's still in because that's how the ACC works. Tulane or UNLV or one of, you know, Air Force, whoever, they're getting in. The Kansas State thing, there's some really weird tiebreaker where Kansas State can get in the Big 12 title game and win it. The problem is for Missouri, if Kansas State does that, that gives Kansas State an automatic spot in the college football playoff. And if Texas doesn't lose before the Big 12 title game, Texas probably still out of Missouri, so that steals a spot. So you don't want that. You either want Texas to lose twice or you do not want Kansas State to win that. It's very much like the NCAA tournament. Like when you get into conference title week, if you're one of those teams kind of on the bubble, you're going... Please, God, don't let Hofstra lose in their conference tournament, right? We need the favorites to win so that some stupid team that doesn't belong there doesn't steal a spot. I'm curious, too. uh, Does Missouri benefit from maybe two teams in the SEC getting into the college football playoff? If Alabama beats Georgia, can they both they both could have a a case to make the college football playoff? I think that's a little convoluted this year up there at one through four. Do they benefit, though, if Alabama wins the, the SEC title? I don't really think so because I don't think it matters which league. Like, there could be four SEC teams in the top 12. It's just about being in the top 11 or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you know, so in some ways, Missouri would actually benefit more if Auburn would beat Alabama and then Georgia would also beat Alabama and Alabama would have three losses and they would fall behind Missouri and out of the New Year's six. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's just kind of 
all these like Iowa can wreck everything by somehow winning the Big Twelve, a Big Ten title. I mean, it's not going to happen because Iowa can't score, so right. they're not going to win because you have that point. But you get the I'm point. saying, um, you know, so I don't really think it. There's there's also a scenario, and I don't see this happening, but it would be pretty fascinating where Oregon or you know Washington, Florida State, and I don't know. A, the Big Ten champ end up undefeated. And then what happens if Alabama does beat Georgia and Texas wins the Big 12 and you've got 12-1 and SEC champ Alabama beat Georgia, but 12-1 and Big champ Texas beat Alabama? Like, are you really having a college football playoff where neither Alab- where the SEC champion isn't in it? Yeah. But can you put Alabama in it and not put Texas in it when Texas won in Tuscaloosa? And I-, I just root for chaos in this. I root for the stuff that will make the most people super pissed off. My whole thing is things change so much from week two to week 13, 14, which was what it basically would be by December, that I just don't know if you can justify that, like not leaving the mail at that point. It's kind of like saying that, well, we're not going to, we're going to, punish Mizzou for their middle Tennessee game uh, you for only beating middle Tennessee by four in week two uh, you know judging them for that in week two in week 14 I just don't think that you can necessarily do that well it's the whole argument of are you are you taking the best teams or are you rewarding the best seasons you know Mm. I thought Cincinnati deserved to be in the playoff because they beat everybody that they had. In front. They couldn't help it that that's, those were the teams they played. Correct. Right. Now, would Cincinnati have beaten Georgia or whoever number five was that year? No, they probably wouldn't. Have. But, I like, why even play the games if they don't matter? You know, like, what is Texas's reward for beating Alabama if there's a world in which Alabama can get the playoff and Texas doesn't? Hmm. Wait, but why even play them? Just go play, you know, Young I don't know Houston Baptist. There you go. Christian now. Yeah. Change your name. My bad. My, sorry. Good. I, I didn't, hope I didn't offend <laughs> anybody out there. <laughs> I do think it's wildly interesting when you look at how the, the committee has actually been a pretty big fan of Mizzou when you look at where they rank them compared mm-hmm. to like where the media ranks them. Like they've always been higher on Mizzou. So that makes me think. Like, hey, maybe Mizzou might be nine. I don't know if they'll jump them ahead of Louisville, but, like, it wouldn't shock me if Mizzou is the number one, I guess, two-loss team at this point, or the even ahead of uh, a one-loss team in Louisville, which they did not look very good against Virginia. I don't know if a lot of people stayed up to watch that game and on a Thursday night, but, like, they did not look very good against Virginia. Also, Louisville's one loss almost counts as two because it was to two and eight Pittsburgh. It's like, and it's the worst loss of any team that has any chance to go anywhere. Yes. But but I don't think anybody really cares that much about Louisville because I don't think anybody expects them to go win three more games and win the ACC title, right? Right. Um, Do they get the uh, the ACC auto bid, though, if they... So yeah, if Florida State makes Florida the playoffs... Florida State is in the playoffs. Yeah. There it is. Which is why you want Florida to beat Florida State and knock Florida State down to number five, and then Louisville just doesn't They're out of the picture. Right. Uh, but like, I don't know. It, it's going to be really fascinating. We know that like the highest Missouri can be is nine because the top eight from last week all won and they're yeah. all going to stay there and they all 
should stay there. Now, you can debate the order. If Georgia somehow is, again, not number one, I'm not going to understand it. Um, you know, I would personally have Florida State above Washington at this point, but whatever. None of that really matters for the next two weeks. Correct. Um, we could talk about some basketball, but also Jared Sutton and Jeff Hawkins are going to start the Missouri That's Who podcast. Hey, wait, no, that's this podcast, the Border War podcast. They're starting that podcast this week, and you'll have an episode of that later on. And for me, I'll just let, I'll just, so what my segment in this podcast is going to be whatever Jared says. That's what, so that's going to be what, what I have to say. Uh, any quick thoughts on Missouri basketball before we get out of here? Maggie? Um, I'll just say the second half of that Memphis game was um, pretty terrible, but let's not quite, you know, let's give, let's give Gates and co a little bit of time. It's early. I don't think that we need to throw in the towel yet. Um, I think they're they're trying to figure things out. Okay, it sucks that the Memphis game was the second game of the season, but you know I I think Caleb Girl probably you know it looks like he hasn't really found his footing yet. It hasn't really found his shot at Mizzou yet, but I think he will. Obviously, if you followed Iowa State at all last year, he's a pretty good shooter, guys. He's gonna find it. Um. There's a lot. There's a lot of pieces. It's a lot of new players. It's gonna be fine. Even if I think we all expect them to take a little bit of a step back, I don't think they have a. They, we don't have a Kobe Brown. Okay, we don't have a Kobe Brown. I'm gonna say it right now. We don't have a Kobe Brown. Um, first half, Sean East is Kobe Brown. Second half, Sean East might not be, but first half, yeah, East is. yeah. Um, agree, agree. Um, I it, Sean East, whatever he did in the off season. I will say, much improved. I will see him for smile. It's I've seen him smile, but it's rare. Mm. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't smile. I'm always I'm always afraid I've made him mad. Uh, I would be too. But like, look, if they had played Memphis in the second game last year, the same thing might have happened. I mean, here were their first three games last year. They beat Southern Indiana, a team playing its first Division One game ever, by six points. They beat Penn by seven. And then they beat Lindenwood by 29. So they just didn't play anybody that was capable of beating. But they didn't beat anybody very badly. Right. Uh, they, they won their first game by 22 points. They won their third game by 18 points. They're bad teams. They, they should do that. Um, but yeah, give, I, I don't even think Dennis Gates knows yet like who his five best players are, who his eight best players are. I, I think he's... Figuring that out, I, th- I think we learned about him a little bit Thursday night. Minnesota is not supposed to be very good. This is the type of game that an NCAA tournament team wins on the road. It doesn't mean they can't make it if they don't win. But if they go up and lose at Minnesota, then I think you're kind of going to go, okay, maybe we need to recalibrate a little bit. Um, but all the, you know, the, especially in the Memphis game, I, I got a lot of, well, you said this team was better than last year and you said they could shoot – Look, guys, this wasn't me saying this. was legit. Dickie Nutt said it on this podcast. Yeah. This was legitimately people around the program saying this. And so, yeah, it's certainly possible they're wrong, but I will go ahead and give them the benefit of this out that they have some idea what they have. And it might just take a couple of months or weeks or whatever. I, I mean, the, you're just talking about uh, football teams evolving from week two to week 14, right? But the beauty of college basketball is, I mean, how many times have you looked at Kentucky or Kansas and said, 
Oh, man, I, I'd be okay with playing them in November, but oh, God, I don't want to play them in late February. You know, I mean, so yeah. this whole thing, there's 32 games, and it's Friday night was just everybody had a bad day on the same day, and you go 5 of 18 on layups, like, they might not win a game at the Rexit shooting that way. Yeah, it is a tough one. Uh, but uh, my viewing experience, I had it on. I wasn't watching it that close. I'm not, I've told you guys this. I'm not mentally ready for basketball yet. I'm just not there. Like, my brain isn't in, like, basketball. Even, like, with the NBA, I'm not there yet. Like, any sort of basketball on the television, my brain doesn't compute it. But I, like, left the room. I think I went to go take a shower, and I came back. And, like, Mizzou was, like, up four, and then I came down, and they were down eight. And I was like, wait, what What has happened? Um, it happened very fast. Well, it's, it's what happens when you have a good football team to follow. Right? It, literally in August, my whole goal for this football season was just keep people interested until basketball starts. And they've, they've gone well beyond that. Yeah. You know, I mean, to the point where we're back to where it's like, yeah, we know basketball's happening, but, but we can't really focus on that. Yeah, hopefully not push any bowl games for uh, basketball games this year. Um I say that with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek, people. I hope I hope people know that. It will be very surprising if Missouri is not playing a bowl game on January 1st. I don't know which one, but if you win two more games, the floor is the Citrus Bowl. You will not fall below the Citrus Bowl. I hope that's okay. It's after Christmas. <laughs> Wait, we're not playing in the auto bo- AutoZone Liberty Bowl? They, they they may actually ask if they can just go to the Birmingham Bowl to get it done. We actually just play one. I think Murphy's going to be really disappointed. Wait, wait, just, can we just make the Arkansas game our bowl game? <laughs> We'd like to be done by Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's enough jokes. Oh, I guess we should. I, I didn't even think about predicting the Florida game just because I anticipate Missouri to win. I think I saw the line was 12 in favor of Missouri. At home, 12 it's points. 10 and a half when it opened, I know. Yep, it's a 12 now at DraftKings Sportsbook, over-under at 59. Um, I will say 37-3, Tigers. 37-3? Yeah, I, don't, I think Florida's bad. That is a lot of Graham Mertz disrespect. Listen, you know you know where I stand. I have made my whole family is going to be there. Are you coming back, Tucker? I'm asking for the people. Uh, for this game, no. I have friends giving this day, sadly. For the people. Um, okay, I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm gonna go with thirty. Thirty-eight, twenty. Thirty-eight, twenty-one. Zoo. I'm in the same neighborhood. I go thirty-four, nineteen. I don't really know how you to get to nineteen, but doesn't matter. Work out. Billy Napier, I'll go for two a couple weird times or something. They should fire him. He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I have made my it's, it's the it's the popular thing to do this week. By the way, if you guys want me off this podcast, seventy seven million dollars. <laughs> hang out on Jimbo's. Ring. That's your buy. That's your buyout. <laughs> no, it is significantly lower than that. <laughs> well, these Jimbo's living the American dream now. Uh, so shout out to Jimbo. Lots of coaching changes going on around, and I'm sure we will have even more um, after Missouri whoops up on Florida after they beat them 70, 30, wait, whoa, 37 to 3 is what I said. Um, I'm starting to put words in my own mouth. Crazy. 
Uh, but we'll be back next week with uh, with more Missouri Athletics action after a Florida game. We'll have a post-game show for you. Um, make sure you get your voicemails in. You can go to my Twitter account, speakpipe.com slash Mizzou. That's who you can send your voicemails in whenever you want, really. I don't care. Uh, you can send them in whenever, and I will uh, and I'll listen to them. We'll have some more basketball talk going on. But until then, that's Gabe DeArmond, and that's Maggie Johnson. I'm Tucker Franklin. We'll talk to you guys next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.